0: On Christmas Eve, 1945, George and Ginny Sauter were about to put their ten children to bed at their home in Fayetteville, West Virginia. Unbeknownst to them, it would be the last time the entire family would be together. Within hours, the house was reduced to ashes, and six of the ten children would have completely vanished. What happened to them? No one knows. And you're going to learn about the story this week on Our Weird World. Welcome to our weird world. I'm your host, John Henson, and uh, this week, after uh, some rather uh, crazier stories, uh, we are getting into getting back into some of the darker stuff with just a strange. Uh, disappearance story. Uh, the Solder family from West Virginia, um, you know, no one really knows what happened to six of the Solder kids, but uh, we are going to look into it and you'll kind of just see uh, you know, the, the primary angles and what most people tend to believe. So let's jump into it. <music> So like I said, it was, on, it was Christmas Eve, 1945, and George and Jenny Sauter were celebrating with their 10 children at their home in Fayetteville, West Virginia, which is uh, just on the south side of the New River Gorge. Um, if you've ever seen a picture of West Virginia, you've probably seen the, the giant New River uh, Gorge Bridge. Uh, it's basically the the nicest thing in West Virginia, if we're being honest. And uh, Fayetteville is just on the south side of that. Um, so Marion Sauter, the, the oldest daughter, had surprised three of her younger sisters that night with toys she had bought for them with money she earned at her job at the local dime store. And the younger children were so happy that they asked, uh, Jenny, their mother, if they could stay up past their bedtime a little bit and play. Jenny happily agreed and asked Maurice, the oldest boy in the family, to make sure that everyone went to bed. Shortly after midnight, uh Jenny awoke to the sound of the phone ringing. And, you know, if you ever grew up in the days of landlines and you got a call after everyone went to bed, it was kind of weird. You know, it was just kind of creepy. And so Jenny went downstairs to answer and she heard an unfamiliar voice on the other end asking for someone who didn't live there, which, you know, I grew up, you know, in the final days of landlines and that happened quite a bit. Um when Ginny told the woman that she had dialed the wrong number, the woman gave like this really weird laugh and then hung up. Um, at 1 a.m., just I guess right as Jenny had just gone back to sleep, she was jolted back awake by the sound of something hitting the roof with a loud bang and then rolling down, you know, the slope of the roof. And shortly after she was able to just settle back down and try to go back to sleep, she started smelling smoke. And she walked over to a side room in the bedroom that George Sauter used as his office and opened it up and found the entire room on fire. In a panic, she started waking people up and, you know, rushing them out of the house and Within minutes, Ginny and George, as well as four of their children were outside. They kept yelling for the other six kids to get out, but they didn't hear anything. When George tried to rush back in to get them out, he couldn't get to the attic where they were all asleep because the stairwell was completely up in flames. Ginny tried to call the fire department, but the phone lines were down, forcing her to, you know, she ran back inside to try to uh, call the fire department, but the phone lines were down in the house already. And so she tried to go to a neighbor's house to call the fire department. And while she was off doing that, George ran to the side of the house to get a ladder to climb up to the attic. But you know where he normally put his ladder wasn't there. And so instead he tried to move both of his trucks to the window to try to climb up to reach the attic. But neither of his trucks would start despite having worked and been completely operational earlier that day. And With no other options, the family just watched in horror as the house burned to the ground for the next 45 minutes. So, thanks to World War II going on at the time, the fire department in Fayetteville was undermanned and couldn't respond until the next morning. Um, The Sodders just kind of assumed their other six children died in the fire. But here's where everything gets kind of weird. Um, when firefighters investigated the rubble the next day, they couldn't find any bones or any evidence that someone else was in the house during the fire. Um, despite that, you know, the fire chief still believed the six children had died in the blaze and the flames had just become hot enough to just completely incinerate them and, and you know, burn them up to, to ash. Uh, the fire chief then told George and the rest of the family to leave the site so that the state fire marshal could conduct a more thorough investigation. But after four days, George and Jenny just couldn't handle the site of seeing their charred home. And so they bulldozed the property um, at a later court hearing to determine the cause of death for the other six children. A jury officially concluded that the fire was caused by faulty wiring and that, you know, the, the six children were officially listed as dead, but, Here's here's another weird detail in this story. One of the jurors uh, was a man that George Sauter had gotten into an argument with a few days before the incident. Now, George Sauter had a reputation for being really outspoken against Italian dictator Benito Mussolini, which... Somehow caused problems among a lot of other immigrants in Fayetteville. Apparently, there was a huge Italian immigrant, uh, you know, immigrant population in Fayetteville who were apparently big fans of you know the fascist Italian dictator. Believe it or not, um, that man uh, that was on the jury had actually threatened to burn Sodder's house down and quote destroy his children because of Sodder's anti Mussolini views. Um, when the state, you know, but again, he was still allowed to be on the jury, which is odd. Um, George understandably began questioning the state's findings on, you know, the, the investigation on the house, because for starters, he believed that faulty wiring would have cut power to the whole house. Once the fire had started, however, the family's Christmas lights had stayed lit during most of the fire and, and other areas of the house had, you know, had kept their power even more. The ladder that he had been looking for that he usually kept propped on the side of the house was found at the bottom of a hill 75 feet from where it was supposed to be. Uh, A telephone repairman who investigated the house told Sauter that the lines had been cut, not that they had been destroyed by the fire. Um, A few days later, police ended up actually arresting a man who was seen stealing items from the property before the fire and the man actually admitted to cutting the phone lines after mistaking them for power lines but he was never charged with starting the fire um so that's just like double bad luck like their house is getting you know robbed and this dude you know goes in tries to cut the power but accidentally you know cuts the phone lines instead um so since it's at this point, it kind of really did seem like something nefarious was going on. So Jenny Sauter questioned the fire chief's claim that the intense fire had completely burned all of the bodies. Um, And her argument was that most of the appliances and the furniture were still very identifiable in the pile of ash. Um, She even compared their fire to a, a similar fire in town that had killed a family of seven where remains of all seven people were recovered, which by the way, like, what's going on in Fayetteville where people in are just dying of house fires? Um, for even more proof, she burned animal bones to see if they would be completely incinerated, but none of them were. Like, she could literally not recreate uh, a situation where bones could be lit on fire and get so hot that they would completely be ground up into ash. Um... Over the next year, the, the Sodders ended up converting their bulldozed home into a memorial for their dead children. However, they, the, the idea that those six kids were all still alive somewhere really started to get you know bigger and you know a little bit more realistic. Um, the Sodders even began to believe that the fire had been set intentionally despite what the fire chief recorded in the official report. Uh, a few weeks later, Jenny learned that a bus driver noticed seeing people throwing balls of fire at the house on that Christmas Eve night. A few months later, uh, Sylvia, one of the solder children found a small green rubber ball in the bushes and she took it to George who remembered the detail of hearing of Jenny hearing something hit the roof and roll off, you know, shortly before the fire started. Um, George thought it looked like a small hand grenade though, you know, he wasn't actually sure. And with that little bit of evidence there, the Sodders hired private investigator C.C. Tinsley to look into the entire situation. Um, A few days later, Tinsley Tinsley came back and learned that the fire chief had confessed to a local minister that he had actually found one of the children's hearts in the rubble and buried it in a box. Uh, The minister then confirmed the story to uh, to Jenny and George Sodder, who, uh, along with Tinsley, actually went out and found that box. They, which, I mean, this has got to be like super morbid, but they opened it up. They found the heart inside it and took it to a local funeral director who actually just informed them that they were holding beef liver and hadn't come remotely close that hadn't even been burned, like hadn't come close to anything hot in its existence. Um, The fire chief quickly admitted the hoax, but he explained that he had done it with the hope that the Sodders would just believe it and stop looking for their lost kids. So like on one hand super morbid like you're gonna you're gonna take a beef liver put it in a box and say that it's one of your dead kids hearts like I mean I, you know I, that's that's just the sort of cold direct way people in the south kind of go about doing things and I consider West Virginia part of the south um, and then you know I don't. it's just it's but whatever I don't know anyway back to the story Four years later, four years after the fire, uh, George Sauter got Oscar Hunter, a pathologist from Washington, D.C., to come out to the property and supervise a thorough excavation. Um, When the search was finished, Hunter produced a dictionary and several coins that had belonged to the children. Hunter also found several bone fragments that were sent to Marshall Newman, a specialist at the Smithsonian Institution, who did confirm that the fragments were human vertebrae. However, after a lengthy study on those bones, Newman concluded that they must have come from the dirt that Solder had used to cover the burned property rather than from one of the lost children, since those were the only fragments found, they hadn't shown signs of fire exposure, and the fused recesses in the bone indicated that they belonged to someone who was actually around 22 years old. The oldest Solder child lost in the fire was only 14 at the time. So... Despite two more hearings on the case, government o- governor Oki Patterson, that's his name, Oki Patterson, of course, West Virginia, uh called the case hopeless and closed it for good. Um So even though the West Virginia government had stopped helping the Sodders out, George Sodder did not give up on the case. He printed up flyers, offered a reward, and put up two billboards with the children's faces on it in hopes that someone would recognize them. And George, you know, Leeds actually did come in, and George investigated every single one. Um, He drove to New York to see if a ballet dancer he had seen in a magazine was one of his daughters. He went to St. Louis after hearing a rumor that another one of his daughters had joined a convent, but... Like he never found them. Uh, in 1967, Jenny Sauter received a letter with a postmark from central city, Kentucky with a picture claiming to be Lewis Sauter, who by then would have been around you know, in his thirties. Uh, the Sauters hired another private investigator to look into it, but they never actually heard back from him as to whether or not, you know, this guy was their son. Um, they added the photograph to this billboards in hopes that someone would know something. Um, but no one ever came forward. Uh, when George died two years later, Ginny and the kids continue, you know, the surviving kids kept up the search. Uh, Jenny wore black every single day and maintained the garden at the side of the old house uh, as part of the memorial. Uh, Jenny ended up dying in 1989, no closer to an answer than she was on the first day. And once she died, the surviving solder kids just decided to take down the billboards. Um, Despite, you know, taking down the billboards, they still continued looking, but just never found anything. Uh, They eventually grew to believe that um, rather than actually dying in the fire, though, they actually believe that the uh, Sicilian Mafia, which obviously you suspect the Sicilian Mafia to be operating in West Virginia, um, had kidnapped the children to keep them safe from someone who was actually coming to kill George Sauter. But over the next two decades, all but one of the surviving Sauter children had died and to this day no one really knows what happened to the other six um you know if they were still alive they would be pretty old today you know chances are you know you know if they had any sort of health issues they would probably be dead by now um you know you know my parents were born in the late 50s early 60s and you know this happened you know almost two decades prior so um Yeah, that's it's it. You know, no one really knows what happened to them. But there's there was no real evidence to suggest that they died in the fire. But they never actually came forward later on down the road to reveal, you know, what had happened to them if they had actually survived. there you go. The story of the solder family, uh, from West Virginia. Um, just crazy how, you know, you have 10 kids and then in, in an instant you lose over half of them. Uh, you know, and, and it's just a complete mystery. And then, you know, this family unfortunately ended up spending the rest of their lives trying to find, you know, their, their siblings or their kids or whatever the case may be. Um, just a really weird story overall. And so, you know let's let's see what we learned today from this what did we learn and number 1 there's apparently a, a large faction of sicilian mafia members in central west virginia so you know watch out don't get you know attacked by the mob in West Virginia. Um, Anyway, number two, uh, you actually typically cannot, you know, completely turn bones into ash from house fire, especially when things like furniture uh, and other appliances that are much more prone to turning into ash from a fire are still very much intact. And uh, number three, don't, you know, beef livers don't look like human hearts. And, uh, you know, that's a really mean joke to play on someone, especially someone from West Virginia who likely is not very educated, who actually doesn't know what a human heart looks like. And, uh, you know, try to convince them that that is your dead kid's heart. That's just mean. (laughs) next week on our weird world we go back to another crazy episode that's not super dark or depressing or anything like that and we talk about just some ridiculous and really stupid riots that have happened throughout history uh we'll look at the doctor's riot the toronto circus riot the eel riot the straw hat riot and the melbourne dart riot uh, a lot of riots going on in the world throughout human history, and these are just some of the dumbest ones. So, again, thank you for listening. Uh, if you know anything about the Sodder family, you know, go tell police or something. I don't know. Uh, but thank you for listening. Tell all your friends about the show and, you know, also about the Solder family. We, we should really find those kids. Uh, and keep it weird.